So hello and welcome to episode two of the Southcast for this season with myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined with Ollie Warner in the midweek, which is a bit unusual, Ollie. So yeah, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Good, good. And uh, yeah, we've got three other guests with us this week, Ollie, to uh, talk predictions and thoughts really about the season coming up. So yeah, we've got a few people who were on the podcast quite recently, actually, when we did the end of season uh, things about COVID at the end of last year. So yeah, welcome back, Dan Hoss. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Cheers, Glenn. Very good. Good, good. And Chris Hudson, welcome back on, Chris. Thanks very much, Glenn. Raring to go. Good, good. And as usual, my brother, Mike Price, just had his tea, settling down to talk football. How are you, Mike? I've got a bit of indigestion, but I'm all right. <laughs> That's good. And as we said, Ollie, we're here to talk about what we think might happen this season and put some, yeah, put some uh, markers in the sand, really, which we can come back to and look at the end of the season and laugh at how incorrect we were. But um, yeah, actually, where well, you're there, Glenn, do you know, remember where you put it just to finish last season? I would imagine it was quite low, wasn't it? Um, I yeah, you, no, I think you said ninth. Did I? Yeah, I'm not something like that. <laughs> well, this bodes well, doesn't it, uh, yeah. <laughs> for this season? So, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be quite as uh, brazen this year. But, um, yeah, I think before we get into some of our predictions and, and how foolish they might be, I suppose it's a case to catch up with, with some people who might be sort of thinking ahead of Max to football or seeing that football's changed after we did the podcast last week with Mike Davis about how that situation's going to be. We've not really had a chance to chat, Ollie. So, I don't know, where, where are you at really? Are you excited about going back to the football? Are you, you okay with everything that might be happening there? Where are you at with it really? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to football. Be really, it should be really good. Yeah, looking forward to going to the ground and looking forward to seeing some live football. Mm. Um, I was thinking, I was chatting to my wife earlier. She's chatting to me about her, uh, one of her, f- her friends at work who's a Villa fan and they've got to like, do a lot. And all those fans, and particularly remember Wolves fans taking the piss out of us of being a small team. But at least we can all fit in our stadium. So there yeah, are some, some silver linings. <laughs> and, and Dan, probably start with you first because I think uh, the four of us, uh, sorry, the four of us, not me, um, you're obviously an Exile fan and mm. probably going to be the most difficult for you to kind of A, get a ticket. Um, I'm not sure if you've got a season ticket, but different scenario for our Exile fans, isn't it, really? Especially living as far away as you do. Yeah, it is a different scenario. I've got a season ticket, so I, 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 oh, there you go. I little doubt that I'll get one if I can. But um, Good. I've not really felt that the season's got anywhere near starting yet. I mean, I often feel that in pre season. Um, and, you know, I didn't really enjoy. The, the football at the end of last season as much as I thought I would. It, you know, a mate of mine said it's, that was football for people to go to JJB Sports, buy a T-shirt and watch their team on the telly. And, and, and of course, we don't do that. We, we, you know, we watch our team in the stadium. And I still yep. feel I'm quite a long way from that, even though, as, mm. as Ollie just said, it's just around the corner. Should be able to get to see the town quite quickly. But until I actually get into the ground, I think it's always going to feel like it's quite a long way away. So bring it on, basically. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah, bring it on. I, I feel like that. And what about you, Chris? Obviously, you work in the, the, the profession, the, the medical profession. And it was really good to have you on when we talked about the, the COVID situation when it first started and, and some of the insights you gave. But how are you feeling really about the risks entailed with potentially going to football um, from, from your sort of you know, standpoint, really, where you work, I suppose? Uh, I'm just anxious to get back, to be honest, Glenn. I, I think that um, the safety measures that the club have talked about are perfectly reasonable, and I'm happy mm. to follow those measures. And the earliest they'll let me into that stadium, I'll be there. I'm praying for September the 19th. I'm looking at that. Yeah. I'm praying that season ticket holders will be in the ground for that game. And if they are, I'll be one of them. You can count on that. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, we won't be quite so close, I suspect, as we used to be, Chris. Obviously, you sit just behind us. But in, in terms of people being split up, it's interesting because obviously I've talked about it on the podcast a lot. Me and my brother sit next to each other since we moved to the new stadium and stood by each other at the Riverside. And it's going to be interesting, Mike, in that the rules with family bubbles is that even we can't sit together, which seems very odd. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be probably a nice relief for you to get away from me for a few weeks at least. It's going to say, be a nice bit of peace and quiet in the one man <laughs> bubble. You know, I don't know how many empty seats have got to be around me, but it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be nice and re- nice and quiet. I'll probably get a little nap in half time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's an odd thing to think about really because the, the large part of going to the football for me is the social scene and going to the pub before the match or going to the fan zone and, and, and you know, half the time, mm-hmm. 90% of the point of, of the enjoyment of football is the banter you have on the terraces because, like Dan said, the football last season was pretty gross, you know. So, the idea of sitting there and having to actually concentrate on that football and find something to pick out of it, if it's not very good, leaves me a bit cold. But I'm sure, um, I'm sure I'll find something to moan about and some people to moan with wherever I end up in the stadium. You know, it'll be fine. Well, we'll get through. I'm, I'm sure you'll survive without, without my name babbling throughout the match every week, Mike. So mm. that's something to look forward to. But Ollie, you, you've been <clears> sort of talking, you know, you, you were keen to do this predictions podcast and you've been doing a fair bit of research, which is good, about League One and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I don't know, where, where do you want to start this, this predictions pod or, or, or really with? 
Yeah, I think it's maybe worth to start, as we always get this time of the year, you get um, betting companies, magazines, and um, it's like almost like a new um, genre, isn't there, in terms of fan media, and then um, there's also specialists that kind of focus on on the non-league on league football. Um, most of those guys have a sit in between um, 18th to 23rd. So great, pretty <laughs> um, poor. I'm interesting talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago. There was a guy who did a prediction, which you you had some chat with Glenn on Twitter, where he think mm. basically our XG number and our goals is kind of pulling us down. But then there's also a really interesting insight um, from a guy called Matt who does um, Jill's in the in the Blood podcast, the Gillingham um, YouTube channel, and his view is all based on obviously as you, as you were good as you do have as a League One fan. It's basically the games that you see, and he saw us the the day the, um, the game after we um, played Liverpool, and we were pretty awful away I was there, on a Tuesday night. Yeah, we were beyond dismal that night. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't possibly judge us on that, please. Yeah. No, but that, but that was that's his view, isn't it? And that's that's based on what he's seen. And he said that we were probably just a bit better than Bolton's kids, um, and probably the worst team he saw all season. Um, and it's, it's interesting that Sam Ricketts even mentioned that game when we met him. Um, in terms of a match that shows that we couldn't go from different styles. We really struggled to kind of adapt. We had Liverpool and their passing style one game. The next game, we had Gillingham, who are a tough team, you know, tough to play against, play, play direct football, and we really, really struggled. And I think it's really interesting that a lot of these predictions and a lot of the comments either obviously have a legacy of last season, but also a lot of them have Sam Ricketts at the kind of centre. And there's some questions about the manager. So I think that's where we should start. So mm. he's in his third season, but obviously he didn't do a full season in the first one. His win percentage is not very good, unfortunately. So he's managed um, 73, 78 games and he's only won 29.5% of them. So a 30% win ratio. He, when he was at Wrexham, he did have 56. So maybe that's why we signed him. Um, but I'd be interested to throw it to you guys. Where does maybe I'll start with you, Chris? Where does Sam Ricketts kind of sit um, in terms of your expectations? Is he 10 games away from the sack, or you've got full confidence he'll be here at the end of the season? Uh, I think he's got more than 10 games. I think uh, whatever we feel about frustrations of style of football last season, we finished 15th and a fairly comfortable 15th. And right up until Christmas time, we were even dallying with the playoffs at that point. So I, I think the guy's probably got a bit more in the locker than he's been given credit for. And he's talked about changing our style this season. So I think you've got to give him more than 10 games to see how that's going. Now, obviously, if after 10 games we've drawn two and lost eight or something, I'll come and say something very different to you. But equally, if after 10 games, you know, we've won three, drawn three, lost four or whatever, I don't think that's going to get him sacked. I think he's probably going to be riding fine until at least Christmas, January, and then see how we're going at that point. But... I, I, yeah, I, I think Sam Ricketts needs a bit of time. To, he's brought in good players, hasn't he? You look at the squad that he's brought in and a number of those signings, you look at the defence he's brought in, the midfielders, you look at uh, the likes of Daniel Ludo, Jack Cumming, uh, Jason Cummings, and you think to yourself, actually, there's some quality that he's brought to our football club. So you've got to give those players a bit of time to shine and maybe this season's the season you'll get the best out of them. Probably last year, he'd admit himself that he didn't maybe get the best out of all of those players. What would you say, Mike? I think uh, he's going to live or die on whatever happens in the rest of the transfer window. I think uh, the squad on paper looks pretty thin to me still. I think there's still some huge gaps in personnel that we need. And until he finishes a recruitment, you can't really say how you think he's going to do. Because if he goes into a, well, you know, a large part of this season with the current squad, we're going to struggle. I think we are just in terms of numbers of players and, and you know, the physicality of the league and that. If he can add another centre mid, a, a good energetic left back, um, another, another quality striker, maybe another option out wide. It's a completely different kettle of fish. If he can get some good recruitments in, you know, he's got more than enough time to, to bed him in and get him playing. But again, it's late in the window. It, you know, there's obviously special circumstances here, but it's not ideal. Our first game's on Friday and you're looking at the squad and thinking, we need maybe two or three more here. Yeah, where would you say, um, Dan, what would you say in terms of expectations on the manager? Are you confident he's the right man at the moment? Um, well, I, I think there's a couple of things that occurred to me there, and that they, they link in from what Mike said a bit. The, the first one is that, there's a, I mean, obviously there's still 46 league games, but if you look at the time that we're going to be playing those games, there's more weeks where we have two games a week, a lot more weeks, actually. And if we have cup runs, um, including, you know, the, the, the Mickey Mouse sort of EFL Cup, you know, all that sort of stuff, it's going to be a lot of football. And our, our squad is a bit threadbare, and, and that, that concerns me, but only so far, because a lot of the loan deals that are done 
are done very last minute. And, and we've done that in previous years and other clubs do it as well. And there's an awful lot of players at the moment who I think are, are, are out of contract and are willing to move. So I'm not, I'm not massively concerned, but you've got to get it right. If, if, if we don't get a couple more players in, we will just numbers wise, I think, be, be struggling a bit. The other thing is, I mean, I, I see where Ricketts is going with all of this. He wanted to make us hard to beat last year. And it made us pretty dull, but it did, he did make us hard to beat. That defence was all right. You know, and for parts of the season, it was better than all right. So I like that. And I, I think we've got a base on which to build. And, and he, he, set his, he set his store out now, hasn't he? And he did so on the podcast last time round. He wants to change the brand. And he wants to be able to play slightly different ways, uh, depending on, you know, uh, what, what is necessary. And the Gillingham-Liverpool um, situation is exactly what I think he's trying to address. So I think he's talked a decent game there. Um, and I think there's plenty of reason to, to, to give him some slack and see if the, 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 you know, the, the positive football materialises alongside a defence that looks at least as competent as it was last year. So glass half full, to be honest. I, I, I'm intrigued to see where we are at Christmas. But like Chris, I, I won't be calling for his head unless we have a truly cataclysmic, you know, lost nine of the first ten type of start. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Dan. I think it, it's got to be cataclysmic that start of that season for anything to be you know, worrying about changing managers straight away, particularly in the environment we're in and the situation football clubs find themselves in. It's probably a cost that this football club can't avoid, really afford at this moment to be sacking managers and a whole load of backroom staff. So in reality, for, for us to hound a manager out for anything less than an exceptionally poor bit of form would probably be hampering ourselves more than anything. Um, I do, I do agree you know, with a lot of what the guys have said there, really. And um, I think it's a case of, of having sat and looked him in the eye, Ollie. Obviously, we got the chance to do that and really kind of felt what he was saying. And I think it came across on the podcast. Definitely is going to be a more attacking team. He's proved that he, the first season, he stabilised us and kept us up. Second season, sorted the defence out and, and took us on a good cut run. Now, I need to start to see how that attacking transition moves in this team and how we get to a period where we can score more goals, still stay defensively solid. And if you can produce that one in every two or three games through to Christmas time and we'll be fairly safe, I think that he's going to be probably in his job to the end of the year. I, I, I think if we finish 15th or 16th still this season, he probably isn't going to get sacked and there won't be too much of a clamour for it because of the situation we're in, really. So it is an interesting one because he's certainly had a roller coaster, you know, three seasons with us in terms of what's happened. So, yeah, like everybody, I suppose, we just want to see what's going to evolve. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's interesting that the same people who are now predicting us 19th were also predicting us to kind of get in the playoffs around that Blackpool time and then last season. Yeah. Um, and it was a very interesting season. And yeah, obviously a, a young manager who's learning. Um, I'd be interested to see how he can perform. Um, and I'm sure he'll, obviously he said to us quite clearly he wanted to do better. Um, so looking at the league table, did do a bit of a poll among Shrewsbury Town fans to trying to get a sense of where they think. I did a poll on Twitter and Facebook and I've combined them. I mean, I think it's fair to say 50% of Shrewsbury Town's fan base think we're going to finish mid-table. 30% flirt with relegation, 20% um, in the playoffs and, and less than 4% think we're going to go down. So not many. So with that, where would you kind of pick? So maybe start with Dan. Where do you think we're going to finish this season? What's your kind of expectation? I guess what's your, obviously we all hope to go up, <laughs> but what's your kind of like your, your kind of realistic expectation? Yeah, if you haven't got positive expectations on day one, then you might as well give up, right? You know, mm. we, we all don't dream that something's going to... You know, we could have another poor verse season. Who knows? I mean, it, we did do it once. But um, when, you, when you asked me about this originally, I did, um, I did, did put a number. I put 17th. Now, I, I think we're a lower half of League One club. When we're in League Two, or when we were in years gone by, I always feel we should be, we should be going up. Um, when we're in the Championship, and I'm old enough to remember the 10 years that we had in the Championship... Clearly, I always felt, you know, anything above a relegation place is, is a fantastic success, even when we were in the top half. So, um, so for me, we're sort of where we naturally should be, which is the lower half of League One. And I, I think we'll have good runs. I think we'll have good spells. I think um, we might score the odd goal, people like Cummings around. But I think in the great scheme of things, being realistic, looking at budgets, looking at some of the clubs that are in our division, um, I'm thinking we're going, to be, we're going to be above the relegation zone, I hope, but probably not by a million miles. What about you, Chris? What, what, where are you going to mark, mark your line in the sand for this one? Uh, it's, I, I'm largely where Dan comes from. I'm one of those who sees us as a lower bottom half club. You know, 14th, 15th, 16th. That's usually a good Shrewsbury season. I look for momentum. Portsmouth's a tough first game. But if we went down to Fratton Park, got a draw or, you know, God forbid a win, you know, we go there and beat Portsmouth. That's what happened in the Paul Hurst season. Uh, I think before the pod started, the comment was made that in the Paul Hurst season, that Northampton game where we scored very late on, 
and that kind of got the ball rolling. And who knows what would have happened if that didn't. Momentum's a big thing in football. We could have forced them to win, and then suddenly you've got a couple of winnable games after it. And who knows? We could have a great season still. Because I look at our squad and think we have got quality in it. Uh, probably not enough quality to, to cope with the, the volume of games we've got coming up. Funnily enough, as long as we play well on Friday, I don't mind too much if we lose, for example, because the way they've set it up this year, the Carabao Cup's a bit ridiculous in that it's every Tuesday for the next four or five weeks. And actually, if we're knocked out of it on Friday, our players have got a month where they can actually have a bit of an easier start to the season, where they've got a week off in between games. And if mm. we can use that, that to build a bit of momentum while a few other teams maybe flog themselves in cup games, then who knows? We could find ourselves going into October sitting in the top six and use that as momentum for a good season. I guess that's what I'm hoping for. Like Dan says, you have to be optimistic at this time of year. You've got to dream. Are you going to give us a number then? Come on. Just, just, just... <laughs> well, when it comes to numbers, I'm a realist, Glenn. 14. 14. Okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm making a note of all this, Gad. So, uh, you know, before we visit this, I'm up for down Twitter. But um, <laughs> I don't know about you, Mike. I, I sometimes uh, hard to judge where you think you generally... I think we've been quite pessimistic of Ricketts when we've sat and watched some of these games, but we've seen some good stuff as well. I don't know, where, where are you sitting at at the moment? With just as a, yeah. you know, I know everything's not finished, but where are you thinking? Um, I, I, I go sort of back to my previous point, really. I don't think with this... I mean, you look at the recruitment we've made so far, we've, we've brought in five players, and I think, is there a handful of any professional football appearances amongst them? I don't think many mm. even played much first-team football. So then you came what was here last season. We've got the squad we had last season minus... Josh Lauren, arguably one of our better players. Um, and it, it just feels Omar like... Omar Beckles. Omar Beckles gone. Yeah, we lost Beckles. I mean, you know, the, 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 the OK start we made last season was due in part to um, Ryan Giles with Dan, Dan the left wing. We haven't got him this season. We've only got Scott Goldbaum back there. Look at that squad compared to where it was last season. I think, personally, I think it looks slightly weaker in terms of first-team ready footballers ready to play on day one. Um, Giles haven't played any league football before the start. Well, that is true, Chris. And what you've done is you've shot me down in flames there quite quickly. <laughs> um, but I personally, from my point of view, I, I think we're going to struggle. Where did we finish last season? 15th? I'm going to say 16th. Yeah, just make a comment about I that. Think be, I think it'll be worse unless we can recruit some players uh, relatively quickly of quality. The, I'm, making it, I'm going to set you up a little bit there because I've actually printed out what the team sheet was on the first day of the season last year. And we had Morrison up front. McCormick in midfield, Vincelo in midfield. Um, so, yeah, it was, I would argue whether the squad is that much worse, but I think it's fair to say the late transfer window is definitely going to put us back a bit. I'm, into I'm the talking style. more the, the squad that finished the, the team, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. that's, that's a tough part, isn't it? And we'll come on to where areas for improvement a bit later on, but in terms of um, squad recruitment, it is tougher with this later window. Glenn, what are you going yeah, for? Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to say ninth this season. That's for sure. Um, he was actually eleventh. You said I said ninth. Actually, you said eleventh. <laughs> okay, there you go. I don't know what we were smoking that night, Ollie, but there we go. Um, but yeah, it's 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 not going to be that high this season. My main concern is one of the things that we've seen, which is a repeating pattern under the two seasons from Sam Ricketts, which is he hates playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday all the time. He, it's clear that he he doesn't like it. He doesn't get the preparation time. He's complained in both seasons about how it affects fitness and um, and how he can continue to keep lads at a high level. Now, to me, like Dan pointed out right at the start of this, we're going to get Tuesday, Saturday a lot more because of this constrained season. And I do wonder whether we've got the squad numbers um, to, to deal with that, regardless of whether we bring a few more in, um, and whether this time Ricketts can maybe get them fit enough to keep doing that all throughout the season. Um, and we might not have gone cup runs, like Chris pointed out, so it might help a little bit. But it, it has been a recurring theme about a, a, a kind of disjointed performance between the Saturdays and Tuesdays, and that's then set us back. You know, we've taken one step forward, we've seen it all last season, and then taken two steps back the following Tuesday. So I do worry about that a little bit. But I, don't know, I think I'm probably in line with the guys now. What we've had, 17th, 14th, 16th. I think we might slightly outperform next season and finish 15th or, or 14th or something like that. But I think I'd probably stick with Mike. 16th seems like a, a number for me. Maybe getting a similar amount of points to what we got this year, but in a slightly different way. Probably conceding more and scoring more. Maybe having maybe some more entertaining games at the end of the day. But it maybe comes out as to still the net, net same result, really. Which, to me, I prefer. <laughs> if we're going to repeat last season, let's do it slightly more entertaining, I suppose. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so, so our, our, my, my number's 14th. I think we'll have a, we'll finish one place higher, which means we can, we've made progress. Um, and it is difficult to kind of predict it's such a long season. Um, yeah. And so many things can happen. Um, you know, we sign a, a Ben Godfrey and a, a player of that calibre. 
um, or with a Tyrese Campbell type player. Um, and all of a sudden, your squad that you go in, not sure, you're going, but yeah, we've got a few good players now. Um, and I think it's going to be those, as you talk about, Glenn, it's those players on the bench, it's those players in the squad, um, and having that quality. Um, and not, and I think some also the youth players, which we'll come on to shortly, who and then those lads can be able to step up. So, yeah, that's brilliant. So, yeah, we've covered off kind of our predictions. Um, and now we're going to go to some of a bit more kind of, we're going to look at who we think is going to be potentially our player of the season. So, a quick, quick spin round who we think is going to be the, the man that's going to make the difference for us. I, I, I think that because everyone seems to love him and he's a character and it just needs a full season where he probably is fully fit and firing all cylinders. We're going to play probably a more attacking formation for everything Ricketts has told us. Might generate more goals. I think it will be Jason Cummings. I think that he might not actually end up having the best season of everybody, but I think that fans will probably end up voting for him for third season because this football club is desperate for a striker to score more than 15 goals in a season, which I think he's eminently capable of doing. And he probably would nail down player of the season just for that, to be honest with you. I'm going for a striker, but a different one. Daniel Udo. I think he's quality. Mm-hmm. I think he's got real potential. But he finished last season strongly, and if he can start this season strongly, I think he is a 15-goal striker if we can give him the chance. He's the kind of player that if he went and signed for Peterborough tomorrow, he'd score 25 goals this year. Mm. Cool. Mike, what do you reckon? Um, I'm not so confident about our striking options, personally. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that missed a large part of last season and should be raring to, to hit the ground running and really take this, the, this team by the scrap of the neck. I think Ollie Norburn... Uh, owes us a, a quality consistency and he's good enough to do it. He just needs to keep his fitness, keep his temperament in some occasions uh, and he's a quality footballer. So I think if he can keep it, keep it in the team, then I think he'd be great. One, I'm going to go for two, but they're based on sort of alternate realities, really. If, if we have a good <laughs> season that, that it, it sort of goes beyond our expectations as we discussed today, then I'm going to go for uh, Sean Goss. Uh, and the mm. reason I say that is, I, I, when I came up to the Bristol City game at the, at the Meadow, uh, I brought, brought a friend of mine with me, just, you know, long car, car journey, good to chat with somebody. And he, he's a football football pervert, is the phrase I would use. And um, <laughs> he'd seen Sean Goss's name on the sheet, and he said, well, it's obviously not the guy who played at United, is it? Because he's going to be a Premier League footballer. And I said, no, it is the guy who played at United. And he was like, this, this is this is just ridiculous. He is going to be a Premier League footballer. And, you know, we don't all get everything right with these things, but he was amazed. And he said, right, you get Sean Goss in the right position. He can pass the ball like nobody else. He'll be able to distribute in a way that nobody in League One will be able to do. You've got to get him in the right team, playing the right way. I'm not sure holding midfielder is the right position. He needs to be a bit further up the pitch. But if Ricketts can get him running the game in the quarterback role, maybe, then, then mm. Goss has the ability to be that, that, that player. Um, and that player that, you know... I'm thinking about like Rodman, who had a fantastic season in the Hurst year, but I didn't see it the season before. I, I wasn't sure at all that he was going to be yeah, true. Anything, anything other than a journeyman footballer. But, but so I'm thinking in a good year, Goss. Goss comes to the party and, and controls games. In a bad year, you've got to look at one of the centre-halves to keep us up. And our best player is Aaron Pierre. So um, I'm going to go Aaron Pierre. Yeah. Cool. cool. Um, I'm going to go for um, Josh Vella. Um, I don't know if it's just because I listened to a Bolton podcast and they were talking about how amazing he was. He played in a more of a number 10 position um, and running off a target man. And they said that he was like one of their best players they had. Um, And Sam Ricketts was really, really enthusiastic about signing him. And, you know, he said he hadn't really planned to sign him in January, but when a player of that quality comes along. um, And yeah, you know, for me, potentially that Goss sit-in, but with Norborn and Vela next to him, working really hard. A bit like maybe like Paul Hurst did, you know, one minute we were playing two defensive, one with Nolan up front, and then we'll spin it around and then you'd play, you know, um, a go-go pushing forward with Nolan. Maybe that three could be quite interesting. So for me, yeah, it's it's good that we've all, it's all interesting, we've all mentioned different players, which says there is some quality there. But for me, I'm going to know for Josh Vela. This was worth noting. Uh, I, that wasn't planned either, was it? We didn't all no. sit down before and say we're going to no. get five different players. I hadn't even thought about it, to be honest. It was a mm-hmm. spare-of-the-moment decision. It's, it's funny with Ollie's pick because when we sat with Ricketts, we did obviously talk to him afterwards, didn't we, Ollie? Um, and, and finished recording, he had a quick chat with us. And we were talking to him about various little bits and pieces. Some of it we probably couldn't talk about on the podcast time. But you, talk, you mentioned Vela when you were looking at the squad. And he was really like high on Vela, wasn't he? That was one of the things that came across to me. And it probably didn't go out on the podcast. But he was really keen on expressing how many roles Vela could play, what he is. And he was, he was I think he described him as a proper footballer or something like that. It was yeah. a phrase like that, wasn't Ollie? So I can kind of see why he's led you down that path. It's, it does seem like he's more exciting than the glimpse of him we got yeah. last season. It was more probably the Bolton lads talking about him because he, um, he was on their podcast. Yeah. And it's interesting as well that he um, shares a car with Ollie Norburn. 
and um, I remember um, um, Agogo and Sadler were doing that from Wolverhampton and maybe they could be yeah have that same kind of performance that we saw in that full her season so so that was good interesting yeah I, I, I agree Dan it's interesting we've all got different ones so uh, yeah go on what's the next one then on the, on the docket Ollie so next section um, breakthrough young players so who do we hope is going to come through and so who do we have so in the in the squad um, training with the first team squad um, this summer we have um, Ryan Sears who can play either central defence or right back Cameron Gregory in goal and um, we've also then got him in field James Rowland Charlie Canton and Ryan Barnett um, and it's been a while um, hasn't it Chris until we've actually had a player come through the youth system yeah, our own homegrown young players. Uh, you've got to go back to the era of Connor Goldson, maybe, coming through, Ryan Woods. Those were the last two who've really gone on from starting at Shrewsbury Town to have a solid career. I've, since then, I can't think of anyone. We've had a few come in for the odd game. Obviously, Ryan Sears has been on the fringe of it. Uh, he's had a few games at right-back last season. From what we're hearing, the manager sees him as a centre-back, which, if I was Sears, that would ring a few alarm bells, if I'm honest. You see him getting in ahead of Ebanks Landell, ahead of Aaron Pierre. You, you just don't see many games in the horizon for him. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, really. I think we're all crying out for one of our own to really make that breakthrough. I thought it was quite interesting, Chris, actually, because I, when you say Conor Goldson, I remember seeing some early games where he played at right back. And I remember thinking, well, not sure about this. He didn't, didn't do badly, but I, did, I didn't feel Conor Goldson going on to play at the level he's played at. Moved him into centre-half, and I thought slowly but surely he became, you know, became a, a real player. And the way I looked at it, Ricketts does like to play five at the back. I don't think that's gone out the window totally. So as and when one of our three centre-halves gets injured, and they must do, or suspended, you know, then Sears plays. So my, my go-to choice here was absolutely Sears, because we, he, he's made a little bit of progress, but he needs a bit of luck. Um, and I think centre-half is more likely to be the place where he's going to get it. And he could, more by somebody getting injured, get a 10-game run, which, well, I don't want to be too heavy on the guy. He's a young lad, but it, it could make him or break him. You know, if he does well in that 10-game run, then, then you know, the world could be his oyster. Because yeah, what you said about Goldson, do you remember Graham Turner probably agreed with you? He could hardly get a game under Graham Turner. He got loaned out to Cheltenham Town. I do yeah. remember that. Yeah. It was only when Mickey Mellon came in that suddenly Connor Goldson was the, the first choice centre-back and it all took off for him. So you just need that break, don't you? But, and Ryan Wood started at right-back. I'm sure a few of you might remember yeah. that. His first games in the first team were at right-back before he got the shot mm -hmm. in midfield. So you never know. players. And I suppose that's promising. Sears started at right-back. So if he goes on to make his name elsewhere, I'd be delighted. Yeah, he's one of our own. What about you, Mike? Who, who are you looking at of the, the sort of younger players that will probably have their breakthrough this season? Oh, I'm just picking a name out of a hat. I don't know anything about any of them, to be honest with you. Um, I, read, <laughs> I read a good bit of a comment by Ricketts about Charlie Caton. Apparently, mm -hmm. he's all right. Um, we saw James Rowland at Ludlow last year. He had an all right game. He met his dad. He seemed quite nice. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fishing about our kids, isn't it? You know, you might hit one or not. Um, how old is Brad Walker? Is he still a kid? You know. But like you say, all, like, all you can hope is that one of our own from our youth system goes on and does well, you know. We're still so proud of people like Joe Hart and, and you know, Connor Goldson and stuff. Having another one of them would be great. Um, the question is, will Joe Hart play for this club again before we have another youth prospect come through? Kind of, <laughs> the race is on, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. I'll ask you in a minute, Dan, as well, what yours are. I kind of say what I think. I mean, yeah, it'd be lovely to think it's one of the lads that's come through our youth system that's going to break through of that younger crop, you know, sub sort of 22, 23. But in reality, to me, the one player that will probably make the breakthrough this season will either be Harry Burgoyne or this new guy whose name I now cannot mention, Sarkic Magia, who we've signed today, this other keeper from Wolves. In reality, one of them's probably going to nail down a first-choice goalkeeper spot and, you know, they'll probably have a reasonable season. They're both 22. Um, one of them is still 21, actually. Um, but it's likely that one of those will be one of our youngest players that gets the most amount of games. Personally, I hope it's Harry Burgoyne because he's, he's a local lad, isn't he? He didn't, didn't come to our youth system, but he's from Ludlow and, you know, there's a bit of a local link there. But if it's, it's the lad we've got on loan from Ludlow, um, uh, sorry, from Wolves, it'll probably, it'll probably be just as um, much of a chance for him to break through as well. Neither of them ever played a football league game so far, so it can be termed a breakthrough because it's going to be their first chance at first-team football. So, to me, when we're looking at the breakthrough players of the young crop, I'm, I think you're looking at either of those keepers and the battle's on really to see who nails down that number one position. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think Ryan Sears was my, my initial sentiment there because I, I do think we've got those three centre-halves and Ricketts has his penchant for playing three at the back and something will happen to one of them. So I, I'm, I'll stick with Sears. But thinking about the way the squad's set up, I mean, you've got, you've got two lads who are potentially going to play on the left, right? Ryan Barnett and Charlie Caton. And you've sort of got Josh Daniels there as well. 
Um, and I'm thinking, well, you know, we're not sure how that's going to pan out. And, and there are opportunities there on, on that side of the pitch, if, if, if this is the way that, that Ricketts is thinking. So, so maybe that's, that's an opportunity for a forward-looking player to make an impact. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I knew which one. And, and, and much like Mike, I don't know that, that much about them other than what I read in the Shropshire Star. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I think I'd stick with Sears, but keep an eye out on the left. There might, there might be opportunities there for someone to, you know, to, to come in and make an impact. Yeah, I think the fact that the window doesn't close until October means that we probably might not sign maybe the first choice a left-sided player or one of the wingers for a while. So, yeah, hopefully it gives them a, a start and chance. And, yeah, we would love to see youth players come through our team. One, obviously, um, it's great to see them come through and have a, a bladder, but also potentially can help you financially as well if you sell a player and he moves on to higher the division. But, yeah, for me, I think, yeah, Sears um, yeah, is on the brink of hopefully becoming a first-team regular. Um, I think if we're going to play the 4-3-3 attacking right-back, you know, it's interesting how right back used to be the um, kind of the bit of a doormat for kind of putting youth team players in the squad and just throwing them in. Um, I think where right back is so important now, you look at the higher leagues, um, how Liverpool play and how important Trent Alexander is. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that gets on. I'm interested to see how the new lad from Fulham gets on loan. But yeah, for me, Ryan Barnett potentially, he's probably played more, he's played more um, first team games at Telford than, um, than Charlie did. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on. The new lad as well from Fulham brings in magnificent hair. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be said that that's got to count in his favour. So, so I'm intrigued to see how that pans out to the season. <laughs> finally, a replacement for Junior Brown. Finally, well, I said either of the, the two yeah. keepers, whoever whoever nails down the number one spot, really. But we can't we can't judge that, can we? At this point, yeah. I hoped it was Burgoyne because of my ongoing love for getting a local lad in the team. But we'll leave that for now, Ollie. I'm sure we'll lose cool. that as the season goes on. <laughs> cool. So yeah, so um, we've we've talked to, we've brushed on it a few times, and, and Mike has kind of alluded to what he would like to see. Clearly, um, the squad as it is is a bit threadbare and probably short of a bit of quality. Um, so, in terms of uh, areas for improvement, rather than everyone do a list of, of players, maybe we'll go around the table uh, so we can all have a bit of a show. So, you know, if you actually got one place um, to recruit, um, Dan, let's go with you first. So, what position are you thinking we most need to see some some improvements? So and we'll go on until we finish the squad, kind of going through that. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it, I mean, all of them. You know, you, you, there are better players <laughs> in those positions. Centre back, we're doing pretty well, I think, for League One. No, level, but yeah, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'll take your point. Yeah, so, so many facetious comments. Sorry, but um, but at the same time, so it depends a little bit what's what's available. I mean, I assume Ricketts is talking to people. I assume that you know that the, the telephones are ringing all the time. Um, personally, I, I'm not I'm not convinced about our strikers. Uh, I'm I'm in I'm in the hopeful category. I hope Cummins gets a few goals, but. You know, he has had injuries and he, he can go a bit loopy. So, so, I mean, I'm not sure I want to rely on that. I thought Danny Dyer had a fantastic season last year. Um, but I don't know if that's as good as it's going to get. It, it may not be. Um, but I, I won't mind, uh, you know, a seasoned striker uh, uh, up top. Having said that, I got exactly my wish last year with Morrison. And look how that went. So, um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I've got to be careful what you wish for. But I'm thinking goals is going to be a real challenge for us. And if we could get someone with seasoned experience, then then that would be ideal. But I appreciate these these folks don't don't go on trees. Will Grigg, you mean then? Yeah, Will Grigg. Okay, agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone like Will Grigg wouldn't be the worst. You know? Yeah, in that mould, but probably not Will Grigg anymore. That's but there right. we go. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Sorry. I mean, for me, I, I still think that this team, when I think about some of the best football we played towards the end of last season, we needed that. John Nolan type creative midfielder and we seem to find one in Conor McElhaney unfortunately we've missed out on him I think now but um, for me the number 10 the, the attacking midfielder the one that can unlock a defence uh, I think you can have you know some quality strikers that we might we might not have now depending on how they go this season I'd still feel like in some respects we're going to struggle to unlock a defence yeah, we might end up playing wingers we might play Daniels and, and Wally now and Wally's got a bit of a trip we don't know much about Daniels but it seems to me without that 10 you don't give yourself the option of playing both tactics so for me I think a, a quality number 10 it's not a sex. It's not a very sexy choice, um, but the, you look at that squad on paper. You, you sent round one uh, earlier on. Oh, you, I think you tweeted it out. We've only got one left back, and it's Scott Goldborn who has been uh, in and out on form, and he's fit and he's he's playing. He's all right, but he's he's not done enough of it for me. Um, so you've got Scott Goldborn the only recognised left back, and then in front of him you've got Barnett, Caton, or Daniels, three guys who've never played any real professional football. I mean, the whole left flank needs work, but I think you've got to build it from a solid foundation. So we need a good quality left back, um, to, you know, because you can't, you can't sort of, um, how do you say, sort of plaster it up with, with a right-footed player. And then you need somebody, you know, a specialist. 
couple of points actually. One, Mike stole my thunder. I was going to say left back as an obvious one. We have one left back. I think the manager's been clear that he was looking to recruit a right back and a left back. So I'm sure we'll see another left back come in, but it's obviously a gap. One thing I would say, we keep talking about this threadbare squad. I was just counting the numbers from the, the squad that you've been sharing. We've got 24 first team squad players. That's actually not a small squad. You know, clubs tend to run with smaller squads than that. You could talk about the quality of it, but the numbers is there. I, feel, I think that if he wants to bring more in, we're probably going to have to see two or three go out on loan as well before the season starts. The likes of Cameron Gregory, now we've signed this lad today. I'm sure he's going to disappear somewhere and there'll be one or two others. Because that's not a small squad. It's just that we've got probably midfielders. There's, there's eight or nine of them there, but there's probably too many, but two or three that aren't going to get games. So let's get them off somewhere else playing so that they're not just hanging around here like a bad penny. But So for me, we can probably look to pare down a little bit, but put the quality where we need it. And left-back's definitely a weakness at the moment. I think, I think that's fair just to interject, Ollie. What we talked about youth players and hoping they make a breakthrough, but in reality, Ricketts hasn't totally trusted our youth system and tried to bring too many of them through, um, aside from Sears, as we discussed. So in reality, the likes of Barnett and, and uh, Roland particularly have got to worry about whether they're actually going to get much of a look in this season. And Chris is right. Potentially, they're the ones that we'll see out on loan again at some point. Um, and, and I think they'd probably be thinking that's, that's possibly likely in the, in the course of the rest of this transfer window. Ollie. Yeah, I think. Well, while we've got those numbers, you've got a lot of young kids there, haven't you? You've got four mm -hmm. or five. Um, and then you've got Ado, who's obviously played for Telford before now, and Pike, who's a bit of an unknown quantity up front. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, I, I'm building on what Mike was saying. I think we need a, a solid left, left winger if we're going to play this 4 3 3 formation, um, someone who's going to cut in. Um, maybe Warley can play there and cut in and shoot on his right but uh, love the lad but uh, his, his goals to shot ratio is not um, particularly prolific um, so yeah no, Ricky, yeah. he'll be left wing back again Ollie <laughs> but um, yeah so we definitely need some quality and I think yeah we've always talked on so Dan said striker Glynn said number 10 Mike I, I said left back so did so did Chris um, I'm saying left winger I think probably all those positions probably need to be filled um, if we and the crazy thing is, is that we, well, the moment we, we predict, we've predicted ourselves mid-low table, and um, like the you know, the neutrals have predicted just a bit lower. You add those players to the squad, you've got four or five new faces in your first team. That completely transforms um, your squad, and that's the bit that's exciting. Is that yeah, as you're saying, Dan, at the start, you know, going to this season doesn't seem that exciting. You know, it's obviously COVID and lockdown and uh, masks and controls and all that kind of stuff. But then you haven't seen a lot of these players, which is going to be fun. Obviously, we haven't really talked about Scott High as well. He's potentially supposed to be quite mm -hmm. good as well. He's supposed to have some potential. Um, so, yeah, and yeah, the right back as well, Marlon Fossey from Fulham, has potentially got some potential. So we don't really know. There's a lot of unknowns about this squad, including the manager. And that's obviously that's why people have put us in the positions that they have. Where's Dave Edwards playing this season? Yeah, I forgot. Well, <laughs> is he, is he uh, going to be our youth team breakthrough prospect? He's, gonna, well, he's, <laughs> he's helping us with a homegrown quota, that's for sure. Yeah. He is. But, maybe, yeah. but maybe he could be that number 10. Be interested how we do play. If we do mm. play two defensive midfielders, you know, um, you know, maybe Norburn next to, um, next to um, Goss with um, Edwards playing a more of an attacking role. Um, the midfielder's definitely got some um, options in there. Um, I'd be interested to see who, who plays the most. Um, and it's probably going to be like this time last season. You know, we hadn't signed Lang at this point last season. We hadn't signed Cummings and we hadn't signed Goss. Um, so hopefully we've got some quality coming in soon. Yeah, Ollie, all, all I'd add on that is that we've got to, there's going to be genuine rotation here. I mean, I always used to think rotation, that's what the, the big boys do with, with their multi-million pound superstars. But we've got so much football to cram in, in a much, we've got a month less to play it. So I, I think a lot of these guys will get game time. It's, there's no way players can just do the, the, the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, all the way through. So everyone's going to get a chance if you want to be positive about this. And, and Ricketts will have, to, have the chance to experiment a bit too as we go along. So awful lot of open questions which is great no it's part of the fun of the, of the pre-season discussions that you always have yeah it's, it's, it's the shame is. about missing the games isn't it ollie is like we do kind of learn a little bit through pre-season yeah. games i think not not a lot and you see it's working out fitness well, you yeah Ludlow, Ludlow's still <laughs> stuck with us all season when poor brad walker well, no, that was accurate though <laughs> It was accurate, yeah. It was accurate, yeah. But you'd get that, and that's and I guess in some ways you can have that double excitement. Well, depends, yeah. A couple of beers, um, some mini cheddars, and um, mm. yeah, the, the the Middlesbrough game on TV on Friday. Yeah, it's it's Friday, isn't it? That's the weirdest thing about it. Okay. Um, what, have we got anything else about the club before we just look at League One, Ollie? No, nothing else really. This is any any, any of the comments or any kind of points anyone wants to kind of raise. 
Uh, the only thing I was thinking about during this conversation is, is, you know, we talk about momentum and I really agree with Chris. Normally football momentum is a good thing. Players get in that momentum and win a few games and stuff and then the crowd get behind them. That's the thing I'm going to be interested to see about how football works this season. I mentioned it on the podcast with Mike Davis is, you know, with the crowd so spread out and probably quite a bleak sort of quiet noise, it's going to be interesting to see whether those clubs that usually get that momentum and get that sort of fan, you know, support from the sides to really push them on to that next level are going to get it this season so much. And, you know, we, we are good, we support our club, but clearly there's, a, there's an effect at other clubs that sometimes we don't give. So um, that's the only thing I was thinking of, really, that Chris made me think of, is what is the fan reaction and, and the lack of fans in there going to, is it going to affect some of the ways that some clubs kind of work? I don't know, maybe that's linking too much, but I, I'm getting intrigued, intrigued to see how that affects momentum, I suppose. What about you, Chris? You got your hand up? I was just saying, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think in some ways that might help us because mm. I would guess that the Shrewsbury fan base isn't the most patient. Uh, I think you go to some places where the fans tolerate a lot more and our fans maybe turn quite quickly at times uh, and it might help us actually to have a, a more of a hardcore base I suppose the lower crowds that you're going to have in the early weeks are going to be the season ticket holders they're going to be the types who are hopefully a little bit less likely to turn on their team I was reading in the <laughs> when the football restarted for the Premier League and they were saying, Bright, if you look at the results that some of the clubs had, Bright and Nona Hove Albion did really well once football restarted. And people said part of the reason for that was that Graham Potter's gotten them playing this little tick attacker style, whatever you want to call it. And actually, they had the freedom to, without a crowd, they had the freedom to do that. And when they cocked up a little bit, the crowd weren't on their back. So actually, that helped them. And over, over those weeks, they did really well. And they ended the season with a bit of momentum. And who knows? Maybe that'll be the case for us. I don't know. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic again. I'm drinking from my, my cup of hope. <laughs> Dan, you wanted to say something on that as well, didn't you? Yeah, it's linked to that, really. And, and statistically, we saw some interesting trends with, with um, lockdown football in, in the top two divisions in England and in, in Germany as well, where away teams did much better than they would normally do statistically. And um, I don't think people have really explained that. Um, but, but one of the ideas is that, you know, the, the, the pressure of the home fans on the away team, you know, is not there anymore. So the away team can actually just go and play a game of football rather than have to worry about anything else that might be going on. So if that's the case, then the bigger clubs are going to feel a, have a deferential impact because they won't have 30,000 people supporting them, you know, Sunderland. Um, so so I, I'm thinking that, that that could, if those stats actually are causal, then, then we, we could be in a slightly better position there because I think we might have more chance of getting more points away from home. Where we turned up and looked a bit overawed early on. Obviously, yeah. we got a red card, you know, it's the sort of thing where we're going to have to deal with that this season. And you're right, Dan, maybe that is, that is a positive effect. So I don't know what... Yeah, we're obviously playing Portsmouth away at the start as well, which is a yeah. big fan base. Which, um, which will feel like a pre-season there. friendly, which is a great yeah. opportunity for us, you know. Watch us and, I think, now, but... <laughs> and I think also there's some of those players and, you know, one of the things that we have, we have players in, in our in League One who are clearly good footballers, but normally play at our level because they're inconsistent. Um, you know, maybe good players that are good trainers rather than necessarily good on Saturday. And maybe we might see a few odd performances. We might see players that normally panic and kind of, you know, mm -hmm. shoot wide, maybe with no fans there, they might feel a bit more composed and that using that Brighton example, maybe put the ball in the back of the net. So it'd be interesting to see how they, how they get on. Yeah. Josh, Laurent might score some goals this season. Well, I think the telling thing of it is that, that like the, the technically proficient footballers will be able to shine in less pressured environments. And yeah. Those teams that trade on physicality and, and fitness should get taken out of the equation a little bit. So it might be a little bit of a, a re-leveling of the league a little bit. Some of those direct, you know, the Gillinghams, you think about them, that might not work so well when, when the pressure's not quite as on the opposition and they can, they can collect the ball and play a few more passes. So hopefully we're building a passing, uh, technically proficient squad that can make the most of the opportunity, I think. It's interesting to say that because actually the teams that play direct football did the best in the playoffs. So Northampton and um, Wickham were successful in the playoffs. But yeah, I think this is a bit different now because you've got a longer game. And as, as Chris said earlier on at the start of the podcast, you know, getting knocked out by um, Neil Warnock might not be a bad thing because we have those less games, a bit more time on the training ground and that time to recover. As long as it happens without, you know, if we lose 6-0 or something, that's... Well, they, they, they beat not they beat Newcastle 5-1 yesterday. 5-0 or 5-1 oh. in a pre-season friendly. So, um, yeah. It can't be much, isn't it? Last season we lost four one to Rotherham at home in the first round of the cup, so that was fairly embarrassing. So that was anything, a horrendous <laughs> game at home. Yeah, that anything was not less good. than four one will be an improvement. So let's look forward to Friday night being an improvement on that result. Anyway, probably the team is probably going to do the best. I really think Peterborough are going to do something this year. So I think oh, Peterborough no. are going to be really, really in the run. Um, 
I think they'll be doing really well. I think Oxford as well are probably going to be on it again. Um, so for me, they're the two teams that I probably expect to be near the top of the top of the division. I hope not with Peter Brawley after everything that's gone on and, and really the nonsense they, really? they made with us. I haven't read this one then. Maybe that's in the cancelling that game last year. Yeah, we can't have Peter Brawley doing well. They've got £10 million in the bank. That's fine. They can just sit on that for a few years and they haven't got to worry about COVID for a while, have they, I suppose. But um, I, don't, I don't know really, Ollie. I mean, yeah, you know, you look at who's in our league. It's hard to predict some of the dark horses. You, I always look at a club like Burton who kind of occasionally go on one of these good seasons and they get up into the championship and they seem to get the job done might be whether you can consider them our courses because they've been in the championship more recently, I suppose. But sometimes I think that they're, they're the sort of team that just seems to get on that good run and, and kind of get out of the division. So based on nothing other than history, really, because we don't know too much about these teams. We don't know what they've done pre-season other than the results. We don't know too much about what formations they're going to play. I'll, I'll go for Burton, Ollie. I reckon it's difficult to, to, to call because the teams change so much year in year. I mean, we're, we're likely to be, you know, a pretty different outfit to what we were in March, you know, when the, all the transfers come through. Um, so, I mean, trying to set and guess in any sort of meaningful way is a nightmare. I mean, the big clubs, obviously, you keep an eye on and you expect them with their, their money to do well. But I, I, and I don't know if I'm making these stats up, to be honest, but I've got this, this thing that teams do go through from League Two to the Championship. Or well, certainly in years gone by, it's happened. And so I'm looking at some of the sides who, who, who came up and I'm thinking someone like Swindon, right? Now, Evidence, mm. evidential base, a bit, bit flimsy on my part, but they have I'm lost thinking... their main striker. But yeah, ah, all right, okay. Well, <laughs> this doesn't have to go out then. No, I'll, stick, I'll stick with it now. I've said it. One of the promoted teams, I think, is likely to do pretty well and be a dark yeah. horse here because they, they will have a degree of momentum. Um, and I think all it takes is a good first ten games, and you can suddenly find yourself doing a Wickham. So. I've said Swindon, but I'll look for all the promoted teams. I think one of them is going to do quite well. Mike, I can see you're looking at the Football League table. I am. <laughs> I will go on record now. To say well, let's give I'm Mike a bit of time then. Chris, what no, no, I'm, I'm very much not a football pervert. Um, <laughs> so my knowledge of the opposition teams occurs between three and five on a Saturday when I work out who we're playing. I watch the match <laughs> and then I go home. So I don't know. I just say like Burton because they're quite a nice club, aren't they? Let's just say Burton. Why not? It's very nice. Um, no, I, I just hope that it's not... Like, I was looking through the league table then. There's quite a lot of dislikable clubs in our league. Um, you know, Fleetwood, MK Dons, Sunderland, Hull, Wigan. Like, you know, there's a lot of people I would like to do badly. So, um, yeah, I just hope it's not one of those teams that come and turn up and think they're a big-time Charlie and, you know, take the piss. Like, it doesn't work, does it? Nah. It just so, doesn't um, work in this league. Yeah, hopefully they all go bust and bankrupt and the salary cap damages them all um, and we <laughs> rise to the top by accident. We win the league uh, yeah, on a technicality. That's what I'm looking Default. For. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but you mentioned Fleetwood there, Mike. That, 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 that's not a bad call. Year mm. in, year out. Joey Barton, everybody's favourite, Joey Barton. But some, there's something about Fleetwood. I thought if I read out every team name, eventually I'll get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Chris, have you got any more method behind your pick than just looking at the league table now? <laughs> Two to mention for me, so I'm with Ollie. This year, I think Peterborough are going to get it right. I think they've lost Ivan Tony, and I think Johnson Clark Harris is a genius piece of business by them to replace him. He's, you know, he'll come in and score a lot of goals for them, and I have a feeling this is the year they'll click. If you're asking for a dark horse, I'm going to say Blackpool. I've looked at recruitment yeah. in the last few weeks, and I think that Neil Critchley, their manager, has recruited well. They finished last season fairly well. They look stronger to me. I've got a feeling that they'll be up there. Yeah, I think Blackpool is a great shout for a dark horse. Including what you said, you said, you said Burton and who knows. I just, I and I think, I think on that point, though, on that point, I think it's really exciting in that sense that if you're, you know, you're, you're a Burton fan, you're a, even an Ackerton Stanley fan, you're a Shrewsbury Town fan. This season is balmy. Like you know, we've got we had COVID, we've got salary caps. Um, it's really thrown a kind of you know, it's really kind of mixed things up. Um, you know, Gillingham have got a, probably a really good chance as well of pushing on. They seem to have done some good recruitment. I think it's one of those seasons where if you're in the mix, if you're not too far away at Christmas, I think you've got the chance to dream and dare to dream because there is going to. I think there's going to be some surprises. Last season, Wickham were a surprise. Um, so and I reckon there'll be some big surprises um, this year as well because it's such a, a crazy year. I agree with Mike and you to some respects. I'd like to see a big surprise down the other way. I'd love to see an Ipswich or a, a Hull just getting a huge amount of trouble and 
not be able to recover from it just because I like that mixing the leagues up. I like some of these bigger clubs to just have a total fall from grace to kind of just mix the leagues up and make it so that other teams can, as you just said, Ollie, dream to be a little bit higher because some clubs are falling on bad times. I know that seems really horrible, but, you know, I'm, I'm fairly clear on this podcast. I'm an utterly bitter football fan, so I might as well continue in that vein during this one. But, yeah, you know, I see someone getting a bit of trouble they can't get out of. <laughs> one club I think is going to struggle this year, Lincoln. I think Lincoln have been had a phenomenal five years, and I think you know these five year cycles are five year cycles. And I, I think, I, I, I think ultimately they were struggling at the end of the season. Only had ten players on their books by the time COVID hit, because um, that's to release them to make you know make ends meet. And I've just got a feeling that, that Lincoln, we might be seeing the end of that you know, phenomenal cycle when they went up two divisions. You know what, one meaningless cup finals. Which we won't talk about. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, Lincoln, that's, that's my prediction for coming bottom. If, if, if anybody else wants to join me in predicting who's going to come bottom. No, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that yeah, all day. It's <laughs> a good point, actually. Bottom of the table is going to be weird because you've got Charlton, obviously, who are unknown if they're going to have an owner or not. Um, you've got Wigan, um, who have got their Trouble. problems as well. Um, and, you know, we've seen clubs, haven't we? Portsmouth, we've seen Bradford. Um, you know, seen teams do drop down the divisions. Um, you know, you used to have a bit of a mare. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be a fascinating season, and yeah, it's. Um, I think it's one where the bookies might have made some bad choices um, because yeah, there is going to be some teams that are going to do well, and some fans hopefully will prosper. Be interesting. It will be. It will be a fascinating season, and you know, it's going to be struggling to watch most of it on the bloody streams away from home, and then trying to get to the home games. It's going to be different for us on the podcast. But I suppose we'll wrap this one up yeah. now. But we will be doing usual Sunday night podcast. It will obviously be reflecting some of the stuff we've seen rather than physically been at which is a shame but, but you know all podcasts uh, covering football clubs are doing the same thing at the moment we can keep asking for a press pass at the football club we ain't ever going to get one but you know it doesn't stop us knocking on the door occasionally um but yeah we'll, we'll try and bring the usual podcast and, and get the three guys who thanks for joining us tonight get them back on it at some point in the season to talk about what we've, we've actually seen and whether that matches up to what we talked about tonight yep brilliant so yeah thanks guys for joining us really appreciate your time cheers fellas Rob, thanks for having us thanks as always Cheers, guys. Yeah, well, so we'll be back on Sunday, um, I guess, probably, yep. um, to discuss the Borough game. And, yeah, hopefully I follow will work. Um, <laughs> it did have that test with all the championship teams. Um, my mm -hmm. mate, one of the guys who works for me, Phil, is a Borough fan, and he said it worked fine after the second game. So, fingers crossed it works. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, share with us your thoughts. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be weird getting back to podcasts every Sunday, Glenn, because it's been a while. It is. I've enjoyed a bit of a break from football and podcasts in general. Just having a nice, you know, lockdown summer holiday away from it. I know we did a lot of stuff at the start of lockdown, but I'm refreshed. I'm ready to attack this season, Ollie, with some vigour. Um, so, yeah, ready we'll, to moan we'll about it. lack of goals and yeah, you know, ready to see referee mistakes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we'll be back on Sunday and uh, looking forward to it. Cheers, guys. Cheers, fellas. Good stuff. Cheers.